Now, tonight, in fact, uh, I would say 53 weeks ago. Just about. 53 weeks ago, Isaac and I started doing something every weekend. I decided after about three weeks of preaching that I didn't want to be one of those guys that either was starting his sermon or finishing it on Saturday evening. I did not want to be that guy. And so I said, what can I do to force me not to be that guy? I know Isaac and I will start having a conversation every Friday about my sermon, which means I will have had to send him in advance of Friday morning an outline of what I think I'm going to talk about. Because he doesn't make notes. He has notes tonight, but they're my notes that he has a copy of, but he's not actually going to go off of those. Uh, but um, so we started a podcast called Woods in the Word Getting Coffee. Okay, some of you may be listening to it. And if we could skip ahead a couple of slides, guys, to that logo, uh, I want people to see that this is kind of the background of our Woods in the Word Getting Coffee. And uh, I don't know how well you can see that, but you'll notice that there are uh, two pictures of people. And the picture on your left is a picture of my father sitting in a lawn chair on the deck of my home in Alabama in about 1986. And I'm the guy that's bent over in the blue shirt. I actually have hair on my head, <laughs> so you can't recognize me. And then the little one who's about three years old there is this guy. Isaac, okay? And then last year, when they were here visiting at Easter, I said, we got to recreate this picture. Uh, my dad died in 2006. He's not with us anymore. So in the picture on your right, I'm the guy in the green shirt sitting in the chair. Isaac is the adult man, but you don't have any hair in this picture. No. He's bent over a similar position, and then his uh, youngest son, Sullivan, is the young guy in the picture. And they were, just, uh, they were just having a discussion before you came in tonight of which one of them, Sullivan or Sam, is going to take my place in the chair for the podcast when I'm not here anymore. Sullivan so, was also talking about the face he would make when he had to stand in line and sign a bunch of autographs. So if you guys do <laughs> want his autograph, he will be out <laughs> there after right. the service. right. So, so this, is a, this is a very important picture, but we are woods in the word getting coffee because we always have coffee when we, typically we record this on Friday mornings when coffee is pretty essential. Now tonight we have our coffee cups, but true confessions, mine doesn't have tequila. coffee. Oh. Uh, tequila, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's a church, man. <laughs> uh, water, we have water. <laughs> um, I have water. I'm not sure what he We also, when we, when we recreated that picture, I didn't realize until recreating it how awkwardly you were standing. I don't know what brought me to that pose. There's no natural <laughs> way to moment. be standing in that, that shape. I think like, I was just trying to get all of myself in the picture. Maybe. I'm really not sure why. That could have been a better... I didn't know it was going to last. As long I as didn't did, know yeah. we'd still be looking at this picture 37 years later. So, Hallelujah. So anyway, we do this podcast where we talk about the sermon for about 25 or 30 minutes. We might talk about it a little longer tonight. We have a little extra time. Uh -oh. uh, but we are, um, 
we are tonight together in the same room. Normally we're not. He's in Minnesota or somewhere, and uh, I'm in North Carolina. So it's really fun that we get to sit together and talk about it. Well, you know what's cool about that picture? Um, do you remember the first time we used it? We actually spoke at a um, Father's Day event, a golf outing, oh. about leaving a legacy. And that's I when I think that. I found that picture. Yes. I, actually, Mom probably found it. True. Um, I think it was a text message to Mom. Of, hey, do you remember that picture? I think I was three. Where is that? And she had to go find it. Um, <laughs> and somehow we got it in the digital form, but we gave that uh, talk about leaving a legacy. Yes. on grandpa to you and to us and so it's it's an honor to be doing these things um, because that's kind of what's what's happening here is just a, a legacy of spending time in the word um, right and, and seeing what happens so excited right. right you guys get it's wednesday evening you guys came here for wednesday evening level stuff and this is sunday morning stuff here so <laughs> he's already prepped this is midweek sunday morning that's right material so buckle up <laughs> that's right we'll see but it is, it's part of our lessons learned in the boat with Jesus. Uh, and tonight's title, when you focus on Jesus, the boat doesn't matter. The boat doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have a boat when you're focused on Jesus, okay? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 14. Uh, this is the second half of the message that Gary uh, led us into two weeks ago. Father in heaven, uh, thank you that we get to be with you tonight worshiping at your feet, learning from you. Thank you that Isaac and I get to do this together, and we have a live audience to share with tonight. Lord, thank you for giving us this opportunity. We pray your blessings upon it as we seek to uh, open your word and to our hearts. And we ask that you would now open our hearts to receive your word, and that it would, be, it would make a difference in our lives that we were here tonight under the authority of your scriptures. And so we thank you that we get to do this. It's an honor and a privilege to represent you. So guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. So lessons learned in the boat with Jesus. We've got uh, uh, six lessons. This is our sixth lesson to learn tonight. And we'll finish these on Sunday morning with the resurrected Lord Jesus teaching us the last lesson that we want to learn in a boat. So far, we've learned uh, lessons like more than you can imagine is waiting just beyond your obedience from Luke chapter 5. We've learned lessons that he is the Lord of the journey and the destination. He is with us even through the storms. We learned that we can ask better questions than teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We looked at, well, that's just not a good question to ask Jesus. We learned uh, from Gary that when the rowing gets hard, help is on the way, and we're going to review that briefly tonight and then dig into the new thoughts of Peter getting out of the boat. And then uh, on Sunday, we're looking at Mark chapter 5, we learned there is a time to get out of the boat and a time to get back in. So let's open our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 22 and end in verse 33. And... Uh, Looking forward to seeing what we, uh, what we come up with here. See what happens. Yeah, let's do it. It's, eight. it's not us. It's not us. It has nothing to do with us. All right. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So Isaac, uh, let's, uh, let's set this up. How do, we, how do we get to the moment when uh, Peter is ready to get out of the boat? What yes, happens before that? Yes, uh, this is... I think my favorite Bible story of all time. Wow. Um, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, a couple to choose from. But <laughs> I think this one, this one ranks at the top for a couple reasons, but primarily because I think this is life. This story in the, what, 10 verses that you read, mm-hmm. this is life. Like we can all identify with the first half of the story, especially, right? Like you're on a boat and you're beaten by the waves. Like right. How often you're does rowing. that? How often does that describe our life? Right? You're rowing your boat. You're trying to get to the other side. The wind is against you. You're working so hard. It doesn't feel like you're moving. And you're just the way that Matthew describes it here. You're beaten by the waves. That we reviewed this part a couple weeks ago, and it just hit me like that's that's such a great description of life. Sometimes hmm. that whether it's you know relationship issues or financial issues, you're struggling. With, with all the things that we struggle with, that those are the waves, and just sometimes it just feels like you're beaten, beaten, beaten. And in this encounter, the disciples are getting beaten by these waves, and Jesus isn't there. No, Jesus. He's not in the boat. And so right. we've talked about a lot of stories here where Jesus is in the boat. Right. And so it's like, hey, he's over there sleeping, so let's figure out what that means. Or he's calling me out, and he's giving me this great catch of fish. And it's like Jesus is there. This is, they've, previously learned a lesson that Jesus can just turn off the storms, um, but he's right. not there. And so now they're like, well, these storms are here. He's not here with the light switch. And so what are we doing here? And just beaten. And it's like, I, I, I identify with that. Right. I, Anybody, I, how's your week going? Anybody having a week like this? You've been rowing and rowing and rowing and you're not getting anywhere. It's Wednesday, not Sunday. So it's they've Wednesday. been beaten. Yeah. yeah. Sunday yeah. mornings, you wake up fresh and it's, you haven't been beaten yet. Right. Um, but by Wednesday, usually Wednesday those night, waves yeah. are beating on you, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but but th- that's such a, a great description of life. But the, the encouragement of this story is that Jesus is coming. Um, and, yes. and Jesus had sent them off. They were, they were going on a, on a purpose. Jesus sent them. Right. And so that's where they're supposed to be. Um, and that's an encouragement to, to all of us. But that, that then Jesus shows up. And he doesn't just show up, poof, in their boat, which I guess he probably could have. He could have done He could have done a lot of things. Um, right. But he's out. They see him off walking on the waves. Which right? is not what they were looking for. No, no. It, it spooks them a little. Yeah. As it should. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, 
we know this story. And if you guys are out on a lake and you see someone walking, that should spook you. Um, but right. they, they see him walking on the waves. Yes. Right? And these are the same waves that have been beating them. Right. And so when we take that to the, the metaphor of our life, when the, thing, the things, the troubles, the trials, the struggles, the frustrations, the waves that are beating us, they're not beating Jesus. No. Jesus is walking on top of them. Those are the struggles that He's brings him to us. dominating yes. what we struggle with, what we can't get past, what we can't move through life to do on our own strength. It doesn't affect him. He's walking. They're rowing. Right. And not can't move anywhere. an inch. They're, right. they're multiple miles into the Sea yeah, of Galilee. three or four miles yeah. out. Multiple miles. How many people go on three or four mile walks on waves <laughs> like, like on the way he's yeah. so they're rowing can't get it and he's walking he's making on the crack. same the same challenges and so i love how you just put it there of those waves are what's propelling jesus towards them right and so when we think about the trials and the, the struggles that we go through um that's when we encounter jesus uh, and yes. oftentimes sometimes those exact trials that we're up against that we're fighting through He's teaching us endurance, and they're what is actually bringing Jesus to us. Right. And he is coming to them. They are not cleaning up their act and going to Jesus. They're not thinking, I got to get to Jesus. He's coming to them in their hour of need. He is closing the gate. He's coming to them on the storm. They're not, they, they have no way of getting to Jesus. They're rowing in the opposite direction of where they left him. And life's full of storms. Life is full of storms. That's like they're coming. There's so many of these stories about Jesus and boats. It's, it's a metaphor for the life that we live. Um, but the storms are coming. Jesus promises us in storms. this world you will have you will have tribulation. But, the, but then in James, he tells us to have joy yes. when you when the storm comes. You're okay. That makes sense. Like when, right. this is hard, and I'm supposed to have joy. It's because. That's when God shows up, and those are opportunities for us to experience him in a way that, in a way that we had, have never experienced him before. And so Jesus is coming out. They're getting beaten by the waves. Jesus comes out walking on the water, spooks them. They think he's a ghost, which is a natural, I mean. Right. It, Who else? It's the thing that makes the most sense. And ghosts, I don't know <laughs> everyone's beliefs here. I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> right. But they... Um, but at that point, it was the only thing that made sense. Right. <laughs> Something yeah. that doesn't make sense is the only thing that makes sense. That made more sense than it being Jesus, for goodness sakes, because they left him on the land. And so when you're going through the challenges to, to look for Jesus, to look for Jesus, right. when Jesus is going to show up in, in your challenges, when he's going to walk on top of the waves that we encounter, it's not going to make sense all the time. No. He shows up. His ways are greater than ours. And... He's going to show up in a way that we aren't going to naturally be able to be like, oh, yeah, that's how God's going to do this. And we don't know where to look for him. Right. Right. But when he does show up, he has a word for us. Yeah. Take heart. Have courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. He starts with two words. Then he gives us three words. And then he gives us four words. Take heart. It is is I. Do not be afraid. That's what you need to know when the waves are beating against you and you're looking for Jesus and he's coming. And that's always his message. That's always his message. How many times throughout the Bible 
whether it's in red letters from Jesus' lips or um, written in the Old Testament or the New Testament, mm -hmm. does it say some iteration of do not fear? Have courage. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Depending on your interpretations, I've heard it said that it's like 365 times. One a day? One for each day in the Bible. Do not fear. You know why? Every day is scary. <laughs> Every, Every single one of scary. them. You get out of bed, and there's something that in your own strength you should be scared of. But yeah. Jesus says, take heart. take heart, have no fear. I'm here. I'm here. Right. And that's the difference. Right. Now, in the first boat story where they were in a storm and Jesus was with them, they woke him up. He got up and calmed the storm. The difference here is as he's coming to them on the water, instead of them saying, hey, Jesus, calm the storm, they already know he can do that. But one of them runs up to the edge of the boat and says, Jesus, command me to come. I'm well, there's a little question on there. the water. He's like, okay, I'm 50-50 now. It's Jesus or Casper. <laughs> like, let me test. Casper wouldn't call me out there, so let right. me do something to yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, if it's you. If it's you. If it really is you, prove it. Call me to come. Um, yeah. And that's, that's an encouraging word here. That This is Peter. This is Peter, who's known for his... Um, What's the right word? Rambunctiousness. Um, what was the word we used earlier? <laughs> yeah. Miscreant. Yeah, miscreant. Yeah. <laughs> he's the miscreant disciple. Um, yes. And, but so he's aggressive. And so he comes out here and he's always kind of just like, let's go, uh, you let's know, go. hardcore at this. Um, so he says, Jesus, call me out. There. And you like, what do you think he thought he would? Like, I think he was in the moment there and he's just like, yeah, Jesus, if it's you, call me out there. That's. But, he, but it was, there's a question there. We're like, we're allowed to question God. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. and he, if he, it's when you, he shows up show and you're me. struggling in life, to be like, you know what? God, if that's where you want me to go. Show me. Show me. Call me. And show me in a way that will be unmistakable. <laughs> like, Jesus, if you call me out of there. Um, and so what's interesting also is he says, so Peter, um, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And it's like, that's, he has, this is not a thing that existed. No. We've read this story before. And so if we came up with the idea of walking on water, it's not original to us, right? Peter didn't have stories about People Jesus walking, walking on, the on the water. Right. And so his idea of, yeah, Jesus, call, call me out there. Right. Because if you command me to come then it's okay. You're going to make it as, yeah. just as possible for me to walk on the water as it is for you to walk on the water. And so Peter had the faith to get out of the boat. John Ortberg wrote a great book, You Can't Walk on Water Unless You Get Out of the Boat. Peter had the faith to get out of the boat. What about the other 11 guys? They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. How come this wasn't just a water-walking festival for the next hour, and they're each jumping out and running around on the water? How come it was only one of them? Well, I think, I think this is such a picture of um, so many churches today, so many just Christian households that 
again, I love this story because this is how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to be living the Christian life, walking on water with him. Yeah. That's above and beyond anything that we can think or imagine. Right. Right? And so Peter had the faith, but the, it, it, that word faith, like what is faith? Um, and faith is an action word. It is. Faith is belief in action. Right. Because as you talked about on Sunday, the demons believe. Believing is not... They don't do anything about it. it. There's plenty of people that don't believe, so it's still a high hurdle. But the demons believe, but it doesn't impact how they live their life. Right. Faith is that belief in Jesus in action. It leads and to so action. it's, what, what does your belief, what does it cause you to do? What, what is the action? That's your faith. That's your faith. Faith has to be walked out. Walked out. Yes. Walked out. Right. And so Peter does this and literally walks out his faith on the waves. Does he ever. Um, but, the, yes. uh, but the other, the other 10? 11. Peter's one of them. Peter is twelve. Twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. 12 yeah. Minus so there's another eleven. Maybe extras in there. Yeah, there could have been some. We're not tall. Yeah, more than least, two. There were at least um, they're in the boat. They don't do that. And yeah. I think, I think that's about the percentage of Christians that are walking out their faith. Woo. I don't know what one divided by twelve. One divided by twelve. Uh, no, less than ten. Yeah. Um, so the percentage there. there. Yeah. Small percentage because it's it's safe in the boat. You can believe in Jesus in the boat. Right. Um, but might still be what hard, happens but it's safe. Yeah. What happens Monday through Saturday, Sunday to Sunday? Mm-hmm. How does that belief impact you? And he calls us to have that belief impact us in faith. And we were actually in um, Bible study on Monday, and we were in Romans. Open road, 7 a.m. for anybody who wants yep. to join us. Every Monday. Um, Romans chapter 14. And I was just struck by this line, because this has never struck me this way before. Um, Romans 14, verse 23. So they're talking about, um, you know, some at that time Christians were getting upset on what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. They were getting caught up in the rules. Right. Um, and, and Paul is saying, listen, there are no rules, but if people, basically, if you think it's wrong, don't do it. Right. right? So, yeah. so pay attention. But So he says, um, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. And this is the line that just jumped out of me on Monday morning. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Anything? This, I, I didn't say it. It's what? right here. For whatever does whatever. not proceed from faith is sin. And it just hit me. Like how much, of how life. many decisions do I make on any given day that do not proceed from, from faith? faith. And this verse right here says that if I'm doing, if I'm making a decision, if I'm taking an action in my life and it is not proceeding from faith in God through my Savior, Jesus Christ, which what is the other option there? If it's not that, what is, it's on my own. How many decisions do I make that are based on my own understanding? Verse in Proverbs that I've said before. Right. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Do not lean on your own understanding. But in all, all your ways, acknowledge him. That's what this verse is saying. That's what it's saying. You know, like when Bible verses talk to each other? Like, <laughs> like they, they connect and they're the telling Romans. the same story and you're like, ah, oh, man, I guess that means that I need to listen to it. Um, <laughs> so just that hit me Monday morning. Yeah. Whatever does not, because we look at right and wrong a lot Yep. in the church. We look at right 
first wrong. And I, if you guys are like me, I grew up in the church. My brain always kind of looked at that as like a list, right? And there was two columns. There was a green check mark for yes and a red check mark for no. Mm-hmm. And it was like, is, there's a right way to do this and there's a sinful way to do this. Right. And you don't want to do that and you do want to do this. Yep. Um, and this says, no, it's, it's less. God is concerned about what you do. <laughs> It's right. less about what you do, and it's more about why you why do it. But it. most importantly, it's who you're depending on to do, to it. do it. Whose idea was this? Was it God's working right. through you, or is it just your own? Something that made sense to you, and you're doing it. Right. And this verse talks about so that's that's faith. And I think that is faith. faith gets talked about a lot, and it's so hard to then live it out. Right. Uh, it's so hard to live it out. And Peter is a great example here for us. Right. Of just saying, I don't care what's going on in my world. Jesus, I see you. Tell me to come to you because you're where I want to be. Right. And so he's focused on Jesus, and that's what's enabling him to express his faith. Uh, Hebrews 12 says that we should fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the author and finisher of our faith. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, and we can follow him anywhere, out of the boat, on the water, it doesn't matter. Now, Peter had already learned an important lesson that more than you imagine is waiting just beyond your obedience. He learned that when Jesus told him to put his net in the water. But now, in a greater extension of learning that, he asked Jesus, command me to come to you, and I'll obey it. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat, fixed on Jesus, and he's walking on the water. Look at verse 29. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Can you imagine? Now, we're not told how close Jesus was to the boat, but this is more than one step. He's walking. So whether it was from me to Bob or from me to William or from me to across the parking lot, I don't know. But Peter is walking on the water at the command of Jesus, focused on Jesus, but he can't sustain it. it have, have you guys ever done anything in your life that was akin to walking on water? Where you look back, maybe not physically, <laughs> uh, but when you look back and you're like, there was absolutely no reason I should have done that that I could have done that, that I had the power to do that, that God should have had me doing that. Right. Far beyond what you ask or imagine. Far beyond that. If you haven't experienced that, I encourage you. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Because <laughs> he's calling. That's what he wants for you. He said, I came. Jesus said, I came so that you would have life and that you would have it abundantly. Having life is being in the boat. He'll save you. You're mm-hmm. in the boat. You know Jesus. He can calm storms. Right. Row on. Life abundantly is running around the oceans. <laughs> this is a sea. Running it's around the sea seas. Of Galilee. Yeah. Still. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> running around the seas on the waters with Jesus. Um, that's the abundant That's life. life abundantly. That's what he wants for us. Um, and it, uh, it doesn't, we're, we'll see here in a very short amount of time. It doesn't last forever. <laughs> it's right. not a life full of walking on the waves. Peter uh, is about to sink, but then also he spends a lot of time walking on ground too. Like there's, there's real life that makes sense <laughs> right. that, that gets executed by Jesus as well. But he wants us 
to experience him in a way that is above and beyond anything that we can imagine, including walking on water for Peter, who was a real live human being. Right. Walking on water. water. Yes. Right. Not that not a normal no we would say don't try this at home <laughs> without jesus unless jesus unless given, jesus actually, commands you we probably should have given that caveat we should have if said some that of first. these people yeah they might they're just, gonna go try to they're walk gonna go water. home yeah. yeah they might but here's the deal even though he was getting closer and closer to jesus with every step which you think would have been helpful he still got distracted he got his eyes off Jesus. He lost his focus. And then he noticed, what am I doing? <laughs> this is crazy. Look at these waves. Feel that wind. This, I, I can't walk on water. You remember back to this high school chemistry class. Or, <laughs> right. I guess it would have been biology class. Where Maybe like, physics. They went through that list Gravity. of the amphibians. I don't remember humans on it. <laughs> humans, right. Um, I can't what am walk. I doing? I can't, yeah. And so he lost his focus. And, and, and in verse 30, is so telling. When he saw the wind, now he's shifted his focus. Now he's looking at the wind. When, I, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, he be, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So now he's sinking. He got distracted and fear took over. And now he's sinking. This is what failure feels like. Okay? Anybody ever fail? You tried doing something for a while, maybe you had it for a little while, and then you started sinking. Now Peter's failing. This doesn't sound like it's going to end well. But Peter knows enough to cry out to Jesus when he's sinking. That's a good lesson for all of us. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And, and um, so Peter had faith. He had focus that got him out of the water. And then he had fear, which caused him to sink. Then he failed. But even in the midst of his failure, he knew to cry out, Lord, save me. And that gets us to the picture that's on the screen here. Okay? Now, Isaac, tell me about this picture. The first time I ever saw this picture was in your study. Your bedroom. In my bedroom in your yeah. house, yes, where I sleep when I come to your house, yes. Which is my office, so right. I get kicked out of my office when they come to visit for, right. Right. Usually for Thanksgiving. long amounts of time. Yeah, yeah, um, a long time. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is a picture that uh, I found a couple years ago, um, and then Amanda, my wife, hi Amanda, um, printed this out and had it framed for me, and so it hangs in my office, and it's just, I love this picture and this view, and you'd think... I was sitting up here, I was like, why don't I have a picture of Peter walking on the water? Why is this the one I like? Right. But I think I like this one because this is real life. Yeah. This, is, this is where I find myself more often than on top of the waves. But you know yeah. what this picture means? If I'm seeing Jesus from this view, if I'm seeing him here, right. it means that I've been walking on You've water. You've been walking on I've water. been walking on water. Right. Um, and... Far be it from me to assume that if I'm going to walk on water, that I'm going to stay up there. Because I know myself right. well enough to know that's not going to play. It's not going to last. But just to be here and to know, I've been walking on water, and that's pretty crazy. But Jesus is now saving me because this is where I end up on my own. And he's going to pull me back up. And then I'll be back on top of the water. 
Um, and, the, so, and again, the eleven, the other eleven disciples, they didn't get to see this picture of Jesus. They've never seen Jesus. They were dry, relatively, in the boat, but Peter had walked on water, and so when he cries out, what I, I, I hope you understand here, that the most powerful prayer you can ever pray is, "Lord, save me." Lord, save me. Because okay. you know what we do so often? We start sinking. Even if we've been walking on water, we've had right. mountaintop experience, a great, you know, something happened. God worked in a miraculous way, and we're living it. And then we start to look around. Because that's when, that's when Satan comes after us, is when right. usually those mountaintop experiences, and we're looking around, and then we start to sink, and what's our first reaction? Right, I can fix I this. I can fix this. I can swim. Do I swim back? I'll, maybe I'll swim back to the boat, or maybe I'll swim to Jesus, or I'll go try to grab Jesus and pull myself up. But right. no, Peter didn't do any of that. He immediately went down, and he knew he was useless. He right. was worthless. Right. Jesus got him out of there. He's caused himself to sink, and Jesus is the only way out. And Lord, save me. And then what's Jesus do? Jesus immediately. It, it says immediately. Jesus immediately reached out, just like the picture shows. He took, him, took hold of him, so he would have grabbed him like this. He would have grabbed him. This is the way they shook hands. They would have held on to each other, but one of those grips would have been a lot tighter than the other one. <laughs> and, and he brings him up out of the water. But he, he reaches for him immediately, but he also rebukes him in the process. Okay? Peter, oh, you of little faith. He called him a little faith. That was his nickname for the disciples. It's six times in the book of Matthew, but that's another sermon. Um, <laughs> six times he says, oh, you of little faith, you little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, why did you, you could have been out here with me all evening. We could have walked back to Galilee. But you doubted, but that's okay. But he, he rebukes him as he rescues him. Now, most of us, when we say, Lord, save me, we want the rescue, but we're not interested in the correction. We don't want the rebuke. But friends, if you're at a point when you need to be rescued, it's probably because you need to be corrected. There's something wrong in your thinking that needs to be corrected. And so we need to both receive the rescue and the rebuke. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they got in the boat, and the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So he rescued Peter, but he also rebuked him. Well, and that can be... Go ahead. You can... We can read that today, in today's world, and be like, Jesus, a little yeah. rough. Yeah, come like give that him guy a just walked on water. He was walking on... He was doing no, so good. No, attaboy for that part. Yeah. He walked Peter. on water the second most of any human. On the plane. <laughs> yeah, and he's right. getting rebuked. Right. Um, but I think what it shows us is that, you know, one, that you can rebuke and love. Yes, and rescue at the and, same and time. And what Jesus was doing was rescuing Peter and showing Peter, hey, this, is, this was where he failed. It was the doubt. Yes. It was the doubt. And calling that out, now Peter knows doubt is a thing that right. he struggles with. And that it's going to get in his way. Right. And guess what? It's not done getting in his way in his story, no. which we're not going to get to today. No. It's, uh, you'll we'll, touch on it It will continue Sunday. to be in his story. Yes. But it continues to be a part of it. So it's Jesus calling out 
Peter, this is what you struggle with. You struggle with doubt. But that's not, that's not bad. That's loving. And, and, and Jesus just tells we us, we need to know where we struggle. Right. We need to know where we struggle. We need to know when we fail, what led to that. And Jesus is there. He picks him back up. He walks on the water again. They yeah, don't they, say he they get, throws him over his shoulder and walks into the boat. No, they get back they, to the boat. They get back yeah. to the boat. So you're right. Yeah. So yeah. he's walking on water again. And right. now he knows doubt is something that right. I struggle Keep with. Keep your eyes yeah. fixed on Jesus and you won't sink. Now, the Apostle James wrote about this. And I hadn't really thought about what James is talking about connected to this story. Except for the fact James is the half-brother of Jesus and he's the leader of the Jerusalem church along with a guy named Peter. Somewhere in there, they would have had to have a conversation <laughs> about this at some point. They're sitting around the campfire at night talking about the water walking. But when James is writing about the importance of our faith in James 1, chapter 5, or chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. No doubting. I think was For James, the one when who James wrote this, Peter was sitting in the room. He's like, hey, throw in a bit about the doubting. Yeah. Don't That'll forget, trip him up. Don't forget yeah. the doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Why would he use that description? With for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And he could have put in parentheses, and you'll sink like Peter did, but he didn't. <laughs> but was he thinking about it at the time? Never connected that before, I don't know. But it's just interesting that James would, bring, would connect doubt to being tossed around on the waves. Um, so... That's very interesting. All right, we should wrap this up here because we still want to have time. You for got prayer. one more point. We got five more minutes. We're good. Yeah, okay. I got one more point. All right. They get back in the say. boat. I have no idea what you're going to say, yeah. which is why I love doing this. Okay. Sometimes when we're doing this, I'm just sitting in awe listening to him, thinking about, I don't have any of that in my notes. <laughs> that is better. I should really preach those that. Are usually, those are usually the this, weeks. But I don't. Those are usually the weeks that I didn't print off the notes. Yeah, that's so right. Yeah, you don't know what my notes are. That's true. So anyway, Jesus received their worship. All right? Now they're looking at Jesus in the boat, and they know how he got there. And one of them was out there with him. And they have all come to the same conclusion, truly. This is the Son of God. You are. Son of God. Jesus receives their worship. Now, there are a lot of people that will say Jesus never claimed to be God. When they say that, by the way, what you know is they are not reading their Bible very carefully <laughs> um, because he did claim to be God on many occasions, but he also received the worship. He allowed people to worship him as God. Now, if he's doing that and he's not God, that's a big problem you say but they are they are absolutely convinced after this escapade on the water that this is the son of god and he receives their worship because he is the son of god that's that's the way that's the way jesus encounters end 
Yes. That's the when rest Jesus of the story. shows up in your life. Like if you go open up your Bible, whatever Bible you have, to Matthew 14, verse 22, mine has this section. You know how they give them titles, right? Like they call out what this is going to be about. Mine does not say Peter walks on water. It's not about Peter. It says Jesus walks on the water. Hmm. When it, the more rea- miraculous part is that Peter did it because Jesus right. is God. One of, one of them was able, That's, right? Yeah. Um, but no, it's Jesus walks on the water because Jesus is the focus. And that, that line, I used to always read this story and get excited by it. And then it was a couple of years ago, that line really jumped out of me that when you have an encounter, when God stretches you and calls you out onto your own waters, on your own waves, the waves that are beating your life down, when he calls you out to walk on those with him, the result of that is not kudos to you the result of that (laughs) is those people that are in your boat those people that are living life with you those people that see that happen in your life should see jesus right and their takeaway should be to say truly he is the son of god he is real jesus is real what they talk about on church at church on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday nights, nights, and Friday nights this week, <laughs> what they talk about is real. Truly, he's the Son of God. God. That should be the result of your life being lived out above and beyond anything that you can ask, think, or imagine. That when he calls you out on the waves, yes, it's a cool ride. Like Peter had to tell so many people about that story. Right, was... and, but the best part of it is he's experienced it. Like, none of us will experience stepping on water and, like, your foot doesn't sink. Right. Like, he's got there. that feeling inside of him. Like, yeah. he's experienced that. Right. And you'll have the experience. Jesus calls us all to di- different things, different experiences that will light up your soul when you step out and live them with him. But they won't be done. They're never done. Jesus doesn't work closed off only for you. Right. He does a great work inside you. This work propelled Peter to do great things and did a great work inside of him. This and then many other encounters. Right. He will set your spirit ablaze inside of you. Yes, that will be phenomenal. But other people will notice it. It won't be done in a vacuum. The 11 guys who did not get out of the boat came to the same conclusion by watching Peter walk on the water as they would have if they had gotten out of the boat and walked on it themselves. And so they all reach the same conclusion, just like you and I should all reach the same conclusion tonight. Jesus is truly the Son of God. And that's, that's the lesson learned in the boat. When Jesus finally got there in this story, because he wasn't in the boat. But when, you, when you're focused on Jesus, friends... It's not about the boat. It's about Jesus. So where's your faith tonight? Is it safe and guarded and protected inside the boat? Or are you stepping out? Are you, are you leaning out over the edge of the boat? If you watch the Gospel of John movie, I love what they did. I almost showed the clip again tonight. We watched it the other day when Gary was preaching. But as Jesus comes to them in the water, the actor who plays Peter, you can almost see in his eyes that he's thinking about it. The way the guy portrays him. And in John's gospel, this is not recorded that Peter got out of the boat. 
but the actor must have known the story because, because Peter is the one who's just, he's kind of leaning, and you could just see that he's kind of thinking, I want to get out there. And I just love the way the guy portrayed that because knowing this story, you're looking at me like, I'm pretty sure he's jumping out the boat here pretty soon. And, and so it's just, it's fun to see that. But that anticipation, is that you? Is that your faith? Are you leaning over the edge of the boat saying, Jesus, call me out. You call me out, I'm coming. I'm walking on the water because I believe that I'd be able to do that if that's what you want me to do. But what, what does that look like for you? It's probably that has nothing to do with water. It probably has something <laughs> to do with somebody else's life that he wants you to walk into. That's probably what it is. So, let's pray. Thanks for doing this with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Jesus, for what a story. And we're, uh, we are impressed with Peter that he had the faith to get out of the, water, out of the boat and onto the water. But like Peter, we know too often we lose our focus. We can start out good like he did. But we can lose our focus. We get distracted so easily by the world and its messaging that we lose our focus. And we start looking at the bigness of the waves, the, the danger of the wind, and we panic. And we forget that you're standing right there. And we begin to sink. Father, I want to pray for anyone tonight that's either watching online or here in the room that needs to pray that simple prayer, Lord, save me. In order to pray that, you've got to believe that he truly is the Lord, that he's the master, that he's the creator of the universe, that he's the one who died for you. He is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you believe that's who he is, then you know that he is able to save you if you ask him. He's a gentleman, though. He's waiting to be asked. If you ask him to save you, then just like the verse in the Bible, it says immediately Jesus reached out. And that's what he'll do for you. You call on him. He will immediately reach out. He will rescue you gently, but he will firmly correct you so that you can go and sin no more. And you can live this life of faith to the full. And so, friend, if that's you, I'd encourage you to pray that simple prayer and mean it from your heart, because that's what Jesus is looking at. Lord, save me. And you can trust him that he will do so immediately. And we want to be a church that helps encourage you and helps foster that growth from this point forward. And we want to pray for you and encourage you and guide you in your walk. So feel free to tell us, reach out to us, let us know, and we'll be, we'll be glad. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us through your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank Isaac for sharing with us tonight. And before we go, we want to have some special prayer. But Isaac Wood, ladies and gentlemen.